I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Kathy Hackle, your host for Tech Magic. I am a tech and gaming executive and I am thrilled to be here. And this is a bit of a shorter episode because everyone is on vacation. And we wanted to kind of focus not so much on the news that was happening, but more bring you a really inspiring interview. Um, so Lee is away with family, so it's pretty much me this time around. Um, but I did an amazing interview that really inspired me and touched me. And I know that Lee had, has listened to it as well. Uh, with B. Jeffrey Madoff, uh, who's an amazing author, an amazing entrepreneur, an amazing, uh, just an amazing creative. Um, he wrote a book called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. And it's a book that I've read um, that has really, really changed my perspective on how we as creatives can really, really further our careers, whether it is that we work in the corporate America or whether it is that we have our own companies uh, or whatever it is that we do in this world. And as everyone uh, you know, has finished uh, a lot of the holiday celebrations and might be gearing up for New Year's celebrations, might be thinking about what they're going to do in 2024, what better time to really think about how to use your creativity, whether it is, uh, like I said, in your job inside corporate America, or whether it is launching something new in 2024 or anything, but making a living with your ideas, I think is something that is going to resonate with everyone. Highly recommend the book. And I think this interview is going to hit a chord with a lot of you tech magic listeners. So for this last episode, we wanted to inspire you. We wanted to make sure that you go into 2024 with great ideas and more and more creativity as you move forward. So without further ado, uh, here is my interview with B. Jeffrey Madoff. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, and now I'm being joined by an amazing guest um, that I have. I have just grown to really appreciate the work that this person has done in the industry um, from having met him a couple of weeks ago to having his book. I want to welcome Jeffrey Madoff to the Tech Magic podcast. Jeffrey, welcome to Tech Magic. Well, thank you for having me on, Kathy. You bet. You bet. So you and I connected a couple of weeks ago through a mutual acquaintance um, that introduced us. I ran <laughs> as quickly as I could to Amazon and bought your book, uh, which is called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. Um, for folks that might not have encountered you, and I think many people have, but for those that haven't, can you let folks know a little bit about who you are, what you do? And we're definitely going to be talking about the book, which is fantastic. But just give uh, folks a little one-on-one of, on who you are. Sure. Well, I think most people on the planet do not know who I am. <laughs> so depending on how big your reach is, we'll be informing a whole new crowd. Uh, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin. Uh, with a double major in philosophy and psychology, which essentially assured the fact that I couldn't get a good paying job. And uh, I had the opportunity through an old friend who called me up and said, I've saved up some money. Can you think of a gig that would earn more than bank interest? And I said, yeah, I'll start a clothing company. I had no idea what I was talking about, but I happened to be working in a clothing store. I saw what sold, I could always draw. Mm So my first adult career was as a fashion designer, manufacturing, designing and manufacturing clothes. Uh, Like everything I have done in my life, I had no background in it. I entered into (laughs) it a totally naive uh, person. And because I liked it, I was able to figure out what it was and how it worked. So I had some success in the clothing industry, Uh, moved from Madison to New York and uh, transitioned into doing production, film and video, uh, producing, directing, writing, all of those things, which I really love doing. And I did that for clients like Ralph Lauren, Victoria's Secret, Harvard School for Public Health and so on. And uh, then I started teaching at Parsons School of Design, taught a course that is the same name as my book, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. And then most recently, uh, a new iteration, which is uh, I am a playwright and lead producer of Personality, the Lloyd Price musical, who's one of the founding fathers of rock and roll. And we just recently finished a successful run in Chicago. I love that you've had so many different lives in some way, right? (laughs) But all on a creative front, right? It's all, everything's born from your creativity. Um, And I think that this moment where a lot of people are asking themselves, why am I doing this job or why am I in this job? Or I want to go and do something with my, you know, with my ideas. I think it's really important for them to hear from you and and to also, you know, use the book as a resource. So for those of you, those, those folks that are listening to this and are, might be thinking that they have wonderful ideas that they want to use their creativity. Where do you think you know, where do you think people start to doubt themselves with their creativity? Talk a little bit about that, because, you know, how do you, how do people overcome that fear that they might have of like, I have a great idea, but I'm scared to go and do it? Well, it's a great question, because I think the roots of that go all the way back to childhood. Mm-hmm. And 
I was very fortunate that my parents were very supportive. So when I started drawing when I was little, uh, they had a retail store, so they would bring home big sheets of craft paper and I could draw on that. My bedroom was the room that I could essentially do anything I wanted. So I could put stuff up on the walls. That was kind of my laboratory play place and everything else. And uh, they instilled a confidence in me that I was able, even against opposition in elementary school, actually, uh, that I could express and I always felt free to express. So I always drew, I always wrote stories. I did things like that. And I think that what happens is when you put your ideas out there, you're at risk. And the first risk that you're at isn't really physical, is it? It's emotional. You know, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to get shamed? Am I going to get berated? All of those things. And I fortunately had a very strong foundation at home. And as a result, I did not have that fear or inhibition of putting my ideas out there and doing it. And I think that you first have to give permission to yourself to express. And I think it's also really important because life is filled with rejection on all kinds of levels. You don't say no to yourself either. So if you feel that your ideas have value, you need to put them out there because that's the only way you're going to test whether or not there's going to be a receptive audience to it. And if you hope to make a living doing it, you can't really listen to friends and family, you know, on that level, you have to get it out to the marketplace and see if there's a real space for it. So there's also a distinction between having a hobby, you like to paint, but you never hope to make a living at it. And having a profession, you're a painter and want to make a living at it. So and I think that that main distinction is getting it out there following through. And I think that the main personality trait is perseverance, knowing how to persevere through the rejection, how to overcome imposter syndrome, all of those things that will free you up to express and do the things that you hope and want to do. I love that because I feel, you know, I feel that there is this, this fear in a lot of people. I mean, I talk to a lot of women in technology that have brilliant ideas um, and they might, you know, some of them are really happy in their corporate jobs. Some of them are not, and they have these amazing ideas, but they're like, but I'm scared. I'm scared that if I put this out there, like no one's going to read this or no one's going to want this. So what you're saying, I think is incredibly important. Um, when you talk to creatives today, and when you look at the landscape, do you think that we have more creativity now than we ever had, or is there a lack of creativity? You know, I think there's always been creativity. You know, if you look at Shakespeare in terms of plays <laughs> and going way before that to the shaman who told stories around the campfire, uh, cave paintings, you know, there was always there was always creativity. Uh, and I think there was always the accompanying issues of fear, mm -hmm. exposure, vulnerability and so on that went along with it. So I don't think that we are any more or less creative. Uh, I think that there, what has increased is narcissism, where everybody thinks that what they do is worth everybody else seeing. And so I think that the, uh, I, I, I think that the viral toxicity of social media uh, has created this false illusion among a lot of people who didn't grow up with it, and I didn't, uh, that everything you do is interesting. 
Well, it's not. I don't want to see what you a picture of what you had for lunch. You know, I'm just <laughs> not interested. Unless that's what you're into, right? Unless that's your, th- but not everyone. If you're a yes. chef. Or yeah, if, if you're, you're a, a chef, if you're too, but not everyone's going to want to see that. No, I agree. I agree with you. And I think a big discussion that we have in the technology space is, is tech helping creativity or is it hindering it? Um, you know, you probably have a lot of feelings around technology. I know we're going to get into artificial intelligence, but is it helping? Is it hindering? Is it, you know, is it amplifying? Um, I think it's it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go back and do some research about television. You know, television was called two things at essentially the same time when it started. And that was, it was the vast wasteland Mm -hmm. or the window on the world. And it's both. There's a huge amount of crap Mm -hmm. and there's some really good stuff. And I think that's true in every creative medium. Uh, So I think that, you know, what technology did, for instance, in that case, is it brought images into the home. You used to have to go to the movie theater. You know, you didn't have TV. And it's interesting where imagination comes in. People used to sit and listen to the radio and listen to stories on the radio. They didn't know what the hero looked like. They didn't know what the villain looked like. They had to imagine everything. And I remember rethinking music videos, which I've done a number of for clients. But I thought, Wow, you know, that puts a demand on performers to be show people, not just great musicians. Does that hurt or help music? Well, it depends. I think it just opened a new performative arena for some people. And now you have somebody who was beyond a pop star, but a juggernaut like Taylor Swift, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, amazing in her expression of music and so on. But ultimately, it comes down to, for me, do I like the music or not? Mm-hmm. Not all that stuff around it. But I think that we've also are all kind of dopamine addicted. So that every kind of thing, whether it's your phone pinging that you got to like on Instagram or, uh, you know, anything that sort of engages you, even if it's just for a moment. So we're kind of like moths to the light bulbs. But I think that that technology has enabled amplified all of those kinds of things and given us new tools to use. I mean, aren't we happy that we can write on a word processor as opposed to having to pound something into stone or write with a quill? On <laughs> we <the> sure pirates? are. <laughs> right. You know, so that's created great opportunities and so on. Uh, and then it's a question of like any tool and like the example with television about being the great wastelander window on the world, how is that tool used? And that's really the critical question. How is it used? Well, and that leads me into artificial intelligence. I know a lot of people are asking you, right? What are your thoughts around AI, around creativity? There's a lot of different people having a lot of different opinions. What are What is your personal feeling on how AI becomes part of the creative process? Well, it's interesting. I think that there's the possibility, you know, in AI, first of all, we have to look at, at something else. And that mm-hmm. is it. AI is now in the hype phase. Mm-hmm. Okay, we haven't had a new new thing since smartphones. And now AI is, you know, everything. You know, you look at Instagram and no matter how many things you swipe through cuz it's all mm-hmm. fed to you anyhow, it's all about, you know, 
here's the five essential tools to AI. Here's how you know, and all this crap, you know, and it's just hype, 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 hype. And what's going to happen is 80% of the businesses will go under. Mm -hmm. And then there will be AI that lasts, that does certain things that are useful for us. The big issue of whether or not creativity, how it's affected, you know, I treat AI and I have experimented with it. I don't use it extensively, but I have tried different things with it. And it's like having a idiot savant as an assistant, you know, because what computers can do better than humans is categorize information, store it and retrieve it. So pattern recognition, storage and retrieval is what AI is all about, essentially. Anybody who thinks that, oh, this is like, this is, I mean, it's a real, it's sentient. No, it's not. And there's a great book that I'll recommend to people. It's called God, Human, Animal, Machine, which is a brilliant work about AI and what is it and what's the distinction of it. And so I think there's possibilities for creativity that can relieve a lot of of grunt work like catalog copy and press releases and things like that. Uh, and there's a lot of areas where there are fears around it, but I think that it's ultimately a human driving the force that's going to make it good or not. It's not gonna replace screenwriters. It's not gonna replace painters. It's, you know, all of that kind of thing. And there's precursors to all this, which are really fascinating too. Yeah, I think about, for example, your play and like, live entertainment where you're going to see something as a human, right? Like, I don't see how AI could replace that experience. I, I've been going to a lot of li a lot of live concerts, right? And, and to me, like, I always walk away saying, like, this is what it's about. It's being around other humans, enjoying this experience, seeing another human do something amazing. And I always walk away hopeful. I remain very hopeful. Oh, I'm with you. I, look, we're, we are from our beginnings, we are tribal. Mm -hmm. Stories were told around the campfire, right? You know, and so I think that there are things that are enhanced greatly by being with others. So when you go to a live theater event, a sporting event, a concert, uh, there is nothing that's going to replace that. I don't care how good your screen and sound system is at home, watching a movie on your home screen, no matter how big and how impressive, it's not the same as sharing the experience, which is what audiences do when they're at a concert or at a play. So I think that that live component adds something to it that will never be replaced. And theater has its ups and downs in terms of a business and so on. But I think that, that you are correct. There is something unique and very much a part of our DNA mm -hmm. that has to do with live performance and the sharing of that experience with others. Yeah, the sharing of that experience is, is very human. Um, I wanna kind of talk a little bit about, um, obviously there's a lot of people that listen to this that are techies, right? They're in the tech space, this is tech magic, right? Um, what side of the brain do you think people who work around tech use the most? Like you, you talk a lot, you talk about some of that in your book, but like, for these people that are listening to this, what side do you think they're using the most? Because a lot of them are pretty creative. I just think that they, you know, some of us kind of feel like we might be more technologically driven than creative, but it's all a mixture. Oh, you've given me a great opportunity, Kathy, to blow yeah. up a myth. 
Okay. <laughs> there we go. So uh, Roger Sperry is a neuroscientist and a cognitive neuroscientist. And back in the 60s and 70s, he did a lot of experimentation on the bicameral nature of the brain in the two hemispheres. Uh, and allegedly, you know, the uh, left side was spatial orientation and this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, the, the point, the bottom line is that your brain hemispheres work together. There's crosstalk all of the time. There's no such thing as being left-brained or right-brained. Uh, it is constant crosstalk. So if you looked at Rembrandt or da Vinci's brain scan and you looked at, you know, somebody who uh, mows lawns, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, somebody who you don't expect a lot of in the creative realms, mm -hmm. uh, they'd look the same. That's there's the there's yeah. the activity going on between the two hemispheres all the time. And Sperry never meant this to mean that this made you more creative. This meant that you were more logical. He never ascribed and he won the Nobel Prize for this, by the way. But he never ascribed personality traits to left or right brain. What happened then when we got into the 90s and brain imaging became a lot more sophisticated, which he didn't have in the 60s and 70s. They were able to map how much crosstalk and electrical activity there was in the brain. So mm -hmm. even today, you can go onto Google and do left brain, right brain quiz, and there's like a ten thousand oh, yeah. quizzes to figure out which you are. You're both. Mm -hmm. So it's not about it's not about whether you're left or right brain. I love that. So tech people, you heard it here. Um, as we wrap up the interview, I, I kind of want to ask you. We live in that current moment, right? Where there's a lot of a lot of things happening in the world. Um, some people are hopeful, some people are not very hopeful, but I do believe that creativity brings us a level of hope, right? It's very human and allows us to have these experiences and have hope. What is your advice for creatives today? Like if if you're talking to your students or if you're talking to creatives out there that want to make a living with their ideas or or just want to be creative in what they, in how are they do their jobs, even if they're in the corporate side. What is your advice to them today? Well, I, my number one advice is uh, sort of suggestion is first of all to not say no to yourself. That if you have an idea that you think is worth getting out there, you have to test it. But more than talent is perseverance. You really have to keep at it and try it because. You know, there's this mythology about entrepreneurship and so on that these and creativity that it happens in this lightning bolt, which is not also how we function as humans. It's not a lightning bolt. It's just that those that lightning bolt comes from a whole lot of other ideas and dots that get connected in the brain and pattern recognition happens as a result. So I would say that you should stay curious. You should always be learning. You should put your ideas out there and get responses, not from people who love you, but from people you don't even know. You know, when my play goes up in front of a theater full of strangers, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, but that's part of the beauty of it. And I think that the tension between the intent of the artist and the reception of the audience is something that keeps that whole process really vital and also can make you really anxious and nervous because you don't know how you're going to be accepted. Uh, but I think that's there's something really beautiful about that. And, and what I love is the process. 
And part of that process is collaborating with others. And in theater, it's fantastic because I'm working with the actors, directors, set designers, sound designers, lighting designers, costume designers. All of us are working towards the same goal, which is to put the best piece of entertainment in front of that audience. And hopefully in our case, also provoke some thought and discussion about those things. So I think it's about, it's about staying curious having an active imagination and curiosity, not saying no to yourself and realizing the very important aspect that you have to do things over and over and over again, it's perseverance. There are those people that catch lightning in the bottle, but that's extremely rare. That's fantastic. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. I feel I feel inspired, I feel really inspired right now. Um, Jeffrey, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? How can they find out about your book and your play? Uh, they can follow me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and uh, under my name, B. Jeffrey Madoff. Uh, they can also go to at a creative career on Instagram and uh, a creative career website. And they can see clips from my class. And uh, I have fantastic guests who have inspired me and I have learned from. Uh, And I will say that also, I really like actual intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence because actual intelligence helps us solve meaningful problems. A hundred percent. I'm with you on that one. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on Tech Magic. Thank you. It was great talking to you. So that was my interview with Jeffrey Madoff an amazing person that I find inspirational who has quickly become a person that I just adore. I've had several conversations with him. He is building and creating amazing things um, in the uh, live entertainment space and just someone for people to keep their eyes on as he continues to innovate and continues to be you know, a trendsetter. Um, and I think from a creativity perspective, a lot of what he said can really feed our, you know, our creativity as we head into 2024. So my hope is that you've taken away some amazing inspiration from this interview and that all of you, as you work on your end of year plans and think about what you're going to do in 2024, that you're going to be able to bring your creative ideas to life and make, you know, a good living off of them. And, um, and yeah, I'm all about living life like a lighthouse And I think that Jeffrey is one of those people that I look at that is doing it, has been doing it for years. And yeah, just, you know, I want everyone to go into 2024 with creativity at the heart of everything they do. So to everyone, happy new year. Lee and I will be back at the beginning of January with an episode focused on what we see 2024 becoming the year of vision. So stay tuned and may you have a creative end end of your year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.